With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We're here. We are. It's a happy new year, viewer. Um, We're in a, still in our close season location. Because the heat is on. That's the only reason. The heat is on. Not by you. Far from the Eagles. <laughs> I've missed the one off the uh, the title of the thing. Oh, there's no one watching, so it's all right. Um, it says um, tw- uh, two th- 202. 17th of January, 202. That's no good, is it? But uh, people will, will like it eventually. Well, the, the new year is here. Um, the new year is here. It is the, the 2022 Rugby League season brought to you by COVID-19 um, and vaccinations, but not, not for everyone, obviously, which is a, which is a shame. Uh, but we are back um, in our home of Monday nights. We're not giving this slot for uh, the championship, are we? I don't think. <laughs> don't tell them. We're just going to be here. Unless they want to offer us a shed load of cash not to compete. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think we'll be finished before their games, will we? <laughs> I think I mean, so. I hope so. We might even be at some of the games. <laughs> might run out of things to talk about. Oh, I think we've had a comment. Live chat. Happy New Year from Switch. Carsten's here. Hello, Carsten. How are you? He's Good here. They're, they're all coming in now. They, they've been waiting. Um, Do you know what? I like a long off-season. Yeah. I've seen a few people saying, can't wait for the rugby to come back. It's been a while since we're really excited by the return of meaningful rugby league. We saw it a bit this weekend with the first round of the Challenge Cup. Not a huge fan of friendlies. I think people read far too much into them. It's there for coaches to um, have a look at some combinations, but really blood everybody and get them yes. out of that. Uh, you know, We're doing drills against ourselves. We need some physical contact. Don't read too much. In. Not a huge fan of charging the public full fees to get into games that are essentially <laughs> academy matches, uh, you've got to get that balance right, I'm, I'm not a fan of playing the teams that you play in your division unless yeah. maybe it's a testimonial game um, That is always a bit pointless I find, because then we'll get the same, oh we play each other too many times during the season and it's losing its value well then don't play each other in a friendly either um, I think it does work when a Super League team plays a championship team um, so there were some good matches this weekend on that very um, privileged to be at the launch of the Midlands Hurricanes when they were at York last week. This is not a Midlands shirt, but this is just it's Perth glory, but it's purple. I like the colour. Which again served a great purpose um, to get the Midlands brand up and running um, in a great facility at York. That the story of York is sort of five years ahead of where Midlands are now, but show them what they could be. Um, so there is some value to having these games, but please don't get carried away with the results of them. You know, Wakefield are not now necessarily going to win Super. Oh, after thirty minutes, they passed the beat. Yeah, first thirty minutes were great. I was told today. Well, they were, but so, just you know, fun. Um, gamble Gar- responsibly. Yeah, Gary says, when are you getting the full team back on board? Logistics. Eventually, everything. You know, eventually. The world will are, allow us to do it at some point. There are reasons. Some of them logistics, some of them COVID, some of them other things. But, you know, eventually, you know. 
We, 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 you know, better to have half of us than none, I would have hoped. Was Fev leaked on YouTube? I didn't realise that. Uh, no, the highlights have been. Oh, because Carson's watched it. He said watched it free on YouTube. Maybe it was afterwards, I don't know. Oh, it might have been on Featherstone TV if, oh. they, if they streamed it. If I don't know. If I don't know, what's that? You said, what was I watching yesterday afternoon? Can't be Leeds United. Cause I you wouldn't watch that. Can't wait for them to have their. Um, Alf Garnet, your boys yeah. took a hell of a beating. <laughs> Alf Garnet? One for the teenagers. Carson says, any comment about the problem Trinity faced with travelling to France? Well, I'm not on furlough, no, I'm a, so I've, I've been mutually consented. Um, it's, well, the, the French, as, we, as we've learned, countries are allowed to uh, take control of their borders, take back control, uh, of, um, until you can make a point of, um, against it. Uh, like Novak Djokovic. He's got some interesting supporters, hasn't he? But, um, I'm not sure I'd want Nigel Farage in my camp for anything. By the way, we should have started with the national anthem like they're going to do every day. Oh, at, OK. At, at six o'clock in the morning when no one's watching. So it's like, it's like watching this programme. Um, it's an interesting one, Carsten, isn't it? Because, you know, the, the question I would ask of players is, why? Why? What? Not, I'm, I don't, if you've got a genuine reason... And there are then medical exemptions. Then, then that's fine. If you believe something your mates told you that he saw on Facebook, that's not fine. And again, it, it's why you, you take supplements. We know all, all teams take supplements that's because they're fine. all because they're all sponsored by supplement companies. We all know they put things in their bodies to make them better at being rugby players or whatever, or supposedly better. We know that when players are injured. They sometimes take injections to make them play through a game. We all take paracetamol all the time for aches and pains. No one reads a leaflet. There's side effects to everything. There are side effects to every Every decision we make in life has some kind of consequence. Now, I would ask the players, why? That's all. And if they can come up with a decent reason, then. and if I was running a club and, and I had players in that situation, I would say to you, Why? you might be putting your job at risk which I know is a, an extreme scenario but when you see players tweet about other sports people which is easily debunked I mean I know we're not all experts like people who write letters to League Express last week but I just asked them why not, not in any terms of you know I know it's everything's politicised nowadays but just, just why? With, with uh, everything I, else that you do, yeah. why why this? I think it's an issue for the clubs and, and not so much the game. I don't, I don't think the integrity of the game is necessarily questioned. I think it's how each club deals with whoever is in its club that it needs to deal with. Um, now, whether that means in future writing something into a contract, whether it means negotiating now on the basis of the fact that if you make a decision not to play that is non-rugby related there is a provision that says you don't get paid for that game. Um, I think the other thing about rugby league is it, it's a team sport. Um, and I think, again, you know, you, you win, lose, draw together. Um, so I think if somebody is putting the team in jeopardy, if they haven't got a reason other than, um, you know, a medical one to follow that line, um, clearly, I, you know, I think that's the issue for me, that... Uh, it isn't the integrity of the competition that's questioned. It has to deal with rules of the country it's going to play in. Uh, by the same token, I'm pretty sure that um, you know we 
we've had clubs like New Zealand Warriors who who have decamped to a different country for an entire year because that's what was needed to keep the competition going. It's not about the individual in the club. It's about the competition. I think as I said before Christmas when some players at some clubs were tweeting things about footballers and whatever who'd collapsed or this and the other, I find it A, disingenuous and B, nothing short of offensive when in our sport we have seen tragically young people die in the last few before Covid was ever a thing before anyone knew what it was and I think it's, it's a difficult one because Carson I'm sure you're coming from the same perspective and I'm sure Gav is here where he says bottom line if they've been fine to bugger off to the sun on their holidays during the off season they can't have much excuse for travelling I've seen pictures of players in pubs and stuff you know it's and I know it's a big debate in Australia at the moment in terms of what players have been asked to do and not to do. It's difficult when you are not a professional athlete to understand what they do. And I know Danica doesn't like the word sacrifice, but to us they are sacrifices that they make to have as long a career and as successful a career as possible. But it's difficult for us because we'd all love to be out there playing. We'd all do whatever we could to be the best at what we wanted to do, but we can't because we don't have those abilities to do so so we don't have that knowledge of what they're going through but it is hard when you sit on the sidelines as we are now and think right, if you don't go to the pub for a year you could extend your career if you don't if you have this vaccination you can go and play in France in a match what about the World Cup we don't know what's going to happen in five years in three years time they might not be allowed to play in the World Cup I think the um the other thing is that you know we, we published a book a, a while ago about a player who brought up the issue of prescription drugs. Perfectly legal to be given them, they're on prescription. But if you become adep- addicted to it, if it becomes part of your routine, if it affects your mood, your sleep pattern, all of that, players are being asked to deal with on a day-to-day basis. There's not a lot of questioning of what goes on. It's, it's, it's deemed to be performance-enabling rather than performance enhancing and a lot of them after a game will go down that route Um, I have absolutely total respect for anybody that says I will not put anything in my body Um, absolutely entitled to do that but you can't pick and choose you can't say I'm prepared to allow myself to have treatment that involves um, steroids or whatever it might be but I'm not prepared to be injected against um, a, a virus where now, what is it, 82% of the players now are taking that option. Um, I think the other thing that we need to look at beyond each individual club is that the economic impact of perhaps losing some games to broadcast partners um, and the reason why Australia have gone um, you know, so heavy on trying to restrict their players, keep them in, um, in almost back in bubbles even though they're, they're, they're not really um, in use in the way that they were in the states that they're playing that keeping them out of uh, indoor areas where where they're more at risk uh, than they would be if they're out on a training paddock. All of that is because the price of not being able to play some games on television means that the whole of the competition would be affected. We cannot afford to pay back monies to Sky if some people decide they perhaps don't want to be vaccinated for issues other than moral or medical. Um... And the game itself then is in a financial penalty situation that it cannot afford at the moment. 
I said it during the first lockdown, um, which seems like a million years ago now, but people need to be aware of their actions in terms of the future of their employment. And as we've seen with one person, it can end up with you losing your job. And it could be the whole of the sport. And that's melodramatic. It probably won't be. But it could be. Yeah. Um, it, it's a difficult one because, as I say, if you if you just gone there blind, like sheep, blindly queued up at the vaccination centre and got your bit of cardboard and you're happy, then it's not an issue, is it? But people want to make issues out of things. It's not picking on Wakefield, but they're the club who've come out and, yeah, and I, said I also today, think that so. it depends who the players are. I mean, you would worry that those clubs that are coming out saying it could be an issue, they might know that within their club it's the six players that are going to be very important this year, if it's six or whoever it might be. Um, but every club has injuries. Every club has players who are suspended. Um, so if you are now told, where are we two, three weeks away from the start of the season, you are not going to be able to go if you are unvaccinated. You have to make provision for that. We you, your squad has to be strong enough to be able to cope with that. And we can't go down the shambles that football is in the moment in the Premier League where games are being called off willy-nilly, despite the fact that we know they've all got a million kids. I mean, it, Someone brought up the example of Bayern Munich at the weekend. Typical Germans, efficient and all that. But they had a lot of you know young players on their bench who I don't think they've ever played in the league, but they just got on with it. And we've got to get on with it. Because otherwise... I don't think it impacts on the integrity of the competition. I think that is the wrong line to go down if you want to protest about it. Uh, whether it aids Catalan and, and Toulouse, we'll have to wait and see. But we're talking about dropping a lot of the restrictions over here so you would think that they've got some unvaccinated players in their squads who it's not going to apply to and that's where perhaps it becomes a little bit more unfair but look what Catalan had to do last year by way of um, the way they travelled over here the way they they couldn't go anywhere before a game they had to fly in at their cost uh, normally hiring the aeroplane sitting uh, the totally wicked stadium on their own for three hours. You know, they actually had their best season of away form because they found a way of coping with that. So let's let's not focus too much on that because no. there actually are some yeah. positives at the moment. Imagine someone who refuses to uh, get vaccinated gets picked to go to, on tour in Australia if they happen to kick out the biggest name in tennis. A UK rugby player's got no chances. Go, yeah. But, I mean, the biggest hypothetical there is going on tour to Australia. That's not happening. I've got on now. Come on, um, France. They're holding the World Cup in 2025, yeah. which is exciting because they had the French Prime Minister there, who I'm sure granted people like me who are, are, are thick didn't know that existed. They, you know, Macron needs that fella. They've got another fella as well. And he was there, and he's on the back of the paper today. Viva la France, as it says They did it really well. Um, clearly, it would have been lovely if people could have all been in the room, um, if they hadn't you know, necessarily had to do some of it on Zoom. Um, but actually, it was given a real gravitas. Doing it in Paris was fantastic. Um, the Prime Minister himself comes from a region that isn't far away from the Dragons, so he, he talked knowledgeably about rugby league. There was mention of the, the Vichy government, which at least is an acknowledgement at the very top of power. They had other ministers there um, that were in charge of um, infrastructures, whether it be the, the medium-sized towns or whatever. They all spoke really well. Um, they, Like we're saying that the World Cup this year, we hope will link into events like the Commonwealth Games and 
the gymnastics championships and the football world cup to make this um, you know uh, this whole summer of sport and we have a meaningful part to play in that they're saying well 23 24 25 they've now got major global events um, the infrastructures that they're putting in for the for the 23 event for the Olympics in 24 and now the Rugby League World Cup in 25, um, they're going to trade off the back of that. They're talking about social impact and cohesion. and um, you know, Again, the, the fact that this first time ever there'll be four World Cups. Um, and you know, Youth World Cup is a really exciting concept. We, we haven't got the full details of that yet. Is it going to be um, just men, uh, 17 to 19? Is there going to be a women's element to that as well? Um, but the fact that there could be 128 games, you've seen the initial maps which are not set in stone because there's been lots of host bids, but it's not just in the south of France where rugby league is strong, it's, it's throughout the nation. Um, if we can pull this off, and there genuinely is government support, which is why it was so important to have the Prime Minister accept the bid on behalf of the nation, um, the second most important man in the country in terms of politics... Um, it is exciting, you know, and, and this story of the Dragons you know, winning the Challenge Cup, then becoming league leaders, then getting to a grand final, Toulouse now being in Super League, the likelihood, although not yet signed, of at least a one-year TV deal to supplement the finances of all of the Super League clubs, you would hope on the back of that that maybe a decision would be made about to lose and perhaps protecting their position because it's for the benefit of the competition as a whole. Um, leading in now to a World Cup, a second World Cup in the Northern Hemisphere, which again gives the chance for the game in this part of the world to you know, have that spotlight on it for a little bit longer. That All of that is actually a good news story that we can play to. So I think the announcement of the World Cup in France and the manner in which it was done it's absolutely superb. The Trent Robinson came on, spoke in beautiful French, and they translated him into English. <laughs> Happy birthday, Steve Mascot, who mentioned yesterday, I think. Oh, yesterday. Apologies. He's hung over today, having had his birthday in the pub yesterday. I don't know why we haven't had Steve on the podcast. He's on everyone else's podcast. But we'll get. I, I did promise him before at the party last year. I said, "We'll get you on, Steve." But he's not launched his book properly yet. Well, he's launched it, and he's going to relaunch yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It's out there. I've got a copy. I've got a first edition. That must be worth at least. I tell you what, I did buy off eBay a, a pile of rugby league books, which yeah. uh, I've got a couple of them. But also, including Rugby's Great Split, which is great book, which is a great book to have. Um, that was in the Barnsley College Library back when I was a student. Uh, Wayne Bennett, Wayne Bennett, uh, he's back Express, has hailed the World Cup returning to France in 2025 as a masterstroke for the sport and its future. And he could be uh, inspired by a possible curtain One thing I would say as well is that the IRL, who clearly own the World Cup, um, looks as though, on the basis of how it's handled the postponement of the 2021 version and what we're now going to get, hopefully, the world permitting in 2022, bigger, better, better bolder, stronger, Fitter, faster, whatever it's going to be. You three words, that's how you do whatever it is. Um, and the fact that they championed France and have pulled off, together with Luke Lacoste and his bid committee, the announcement that it's going there. Actually, they have come out of this really well as well. I think um, th there is a sense that 
international rugby league starting to mean something again. The right words are being spoken by the right people. They've got a very eloquent chairman. Um, you would hope that the money that is, uh, the profit that is gained at the end of the, the, the 2021 World Cup this year um, will will be sufficient for them to again have resource behind them as well as um, well-intentioned. But I, I do think that after everything we've been through, um, and we must laugh at the world rankings as well. Uh, Australia fourth, dropped oh. to fourth, lowest they've ever been. If you don't play, we, we, we will survive without you. Um, but I do think international rugby league and the comments of people like Wayne Bennett, Trent Robinson, just been elevated a little bit by this whole episode. And as we've always said on this program, it has to be the pinnacle that you start. Is, is it in the? Uh, I assume there's a forty twenty style guide. I've not seen it, but is, is that officially referred to now as the twenty twenty three event? Is that what it's called? I, I refuse to mention yeah. it. Yeah. They stole the name, so I'm not going to give them the. Uh, the well, that's why. That's why I got accredited for the twenty fifteen event, so I could just go and eat some food and watch some not very good rugby. Uh, but there you go. Um, so it's it's all exciting. I mean, Carson, you'll be going. He's not happy because I bought that book. I don't know what I can say, Carson, but uh, it, 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 was, it was nice to see it. You can look out for these things and go. You're going to take opportunity when it knocks and then get told off by your wife for buying more <laughs> crap off eBay. But what can you do? Uh, so the World Cup's going to France. That's exciting. Uh, there they are. Bienvenue, France 2025. I don't know what 2025 is in French. But uh, it's going to be exciting. The World Cup this year is going to be exciting. Um, I think what is exciting as well is... Uh, I know. When you dig down the detail, the deal with the sportsman is not as exciting as it sounds because it's just the uh, the media wing of Betfred. But um, the fact that there's going to be League One stroke wheelchair stroke women's games free to wear on YouTube is great and probably will get a lot. We're in that strange situation now where the Super League's on Sky, Men's Super League, and uh, Channel Four who have advertised it. There you go, Channel Four. Is it in the middle of making attraction? We don't know. Watch <laughs> League One and wheelchair and women's going to be on YouTube for free, and then championships hidden behind a paywall that's going to be watched by three people, which is a shame. But it's it, it's great for everyone. I think it's a, it's great. We've, we've said for ages, just stick stuff on YouTube. Yeah, you know, Carson watched Fevan League yesterday. Uh, what was I watching? I was it was on Saturday afternoon. I had the uh, I was doing my thing, and I was had the game on in the background on mute, so I couldn't hear Matt Horton and lose his voice. Uh, but I was able to keep an eye on it. And as soon as it finished, YouTube recommended that I watched uh, some live netball. So people are going to be see it recommended at least. They might not click on it, I don't know. But I, I, think, I mean, we've been big fans of the, the wheelchair arm of the sport um, ever since we first came across it. One of the reasons that is starting to take off is because it was free to view and people went... Oh, out of curiosity, I might just watch it. We we know it's that good. If you watch a minute of it, you're going to watch a lot more of it. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I think there is genuine... We, I think the Championship, arguably, is the most open of the three competitions this year. So let's hope that even if it's behind a paywall, people will start saying, Monday night, you know, that's not a bad yeah. night to be watching Rugby League. Get um, the highlights out there as soon as possible. Yeah. Uh, back it up with some some you know highlight content or some shows that that tell you about the people that are playing in it. Um, I think as, as you point out with our our, our guest on the show that 
you know, not only are there great players now in the championship, there's great coaches as well. There's big copy out there um, if you, if if we can get it out to the right people. Um, and it, you know, Super League. I think in the latest issue of which we uh, we're, we're clearly not here to promote out now in the shops. Uh, there is the looking at where teams might finish um, in the Super League and the Championship. Championship done expertly by Batley coach Craig Lingard. Who, if you listen to the podcast... He's, he's, we'll, a, bloke, well, he's a bloke worth yeah. listening to. If you listen to the podcast, it'll be on after. If you're watching, you'll have to wait till I've edited the video. Um, but the champ... I mean, you look at the Championship, you say there really could be six or seven clubs in the promotion mix. Um, Super League, I think you've still got a top four, a middle four and a bottom four. You might not know where each team is going to finish position-wise, but you look at where we are at the start of the season and, of course, Hull KR defied predictions last year. There is always a team that will. Um, but generally, you've got a rough idea. You know, I don't think St Helens going to be battling against relegation this year. So you've got a fair idea of where the teams are going to finish. Um, so it's the stories we've got to promote. It's, it's the fact that, you know... Warrington's first game, which happens to be on Channel 4, is the start of the Daryl Powell era. That's what you've got to sell it as. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm quite excited that we can get away from talking about what is or isn't happening off the field in Smoky Committee. Do they have Smoky Committee runs anymore? They don't have to smoke. So. Um, healthy committee. But all of the speculation over the last two or three months is why haven't we had realignment and where is this commercial partner that we're going to have and what does the new strategy look like and who's going to implement it and we can actually get away from that now that the rugby started the Challenge Cup first round was great this year um, the second round looks really exciting because you've got an all forces clash I mean, if you can't sell that you've got an all London clash which I, I'm pretty sure we won't have had before I, I can't remember the Scholars playing the Broncos in the Challenge Cup so um, we've got an all London clash we've got an all Leeds clash um, Hunslet and, and Stanningley. I think we've got some great games that uh, are already elevating this competition. That, that has an early start at a new venue uh, come the final. So let's tell, let's let the action on the pitch tell the stories. That's what's exciting for me. Not that I've forgotten that it was not a Wembley this year, but uh, it's not. A lot of things have happened. I, I can't remember everything that's coming up in twenty twenty one. I was going to say something about the. Uh, We've talked about the sport. I was going to say something else now, but um, yeah, Carson, he, he's happy. Carson, you want to come back because um, put in your diaries, viewers. Fifteenth of February, day after Valentine's Day, we'll be back live in person somewhere. Can't confirm it yet because it keeps being moved because of everything. But you know, fingers crossed, we'll be back live. I mean, what a perfect late Valentine's present that is for your partner to come and watch uh, us talk about rugby league live in in person. And hopefully we'll be doing some stuff around the World Cup as well. Fingers crossed. You know, so so you know, ho- hopefully this will be another exciting year of of content. We've already watched the video about the shirts. I know you all enjoyed that. And, you know, and your t- quiz on boxing. The, qu- the quiz on uh, no, Christmas, Christmas Day. Day Christmas it? Day. Um, Wakefield Trinity women have signed some pl- oh, ladies have signed some players this weekend, which is exciting. Uh, and we've got two players in the student squad. And the uh, the thirty one woman uh, England performance thing was announced last week. And uh, someone we actually spoke to last last year, Kira Bennett's in there, which is good. So there's a big boost to Phil and Lewis for sales at um, at Leeds. But you know, York have got new owners, yes, and that impacts on their women's team because again, um, clearly they um, 
they obviously are one of the most uh, forward-thinking clubs when it comes to offering season tickets that includes both arms of the game. Safe to say they've recruited, uh, but when you look at some of the, you know, Holly Dodd and Tara Jane Stanley, they're, they're, I think their last two signings, um, you know, you can't question the quality of either of those two players. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I genuinely am excited with what we might get on the field this year. <laughs> You're it, laughing. No, I'm, I'm just... Uh, Huddersfield. What about Huddersfield? They've, they've got their first women's international. Yes, John Hoyle, yeah. Uh, Warrington are signing players. Yeah. Um, Wigan are. Oh, they don't look like they're signing. Barrow signed some players. It's all exciting. No, what's, what's it, Carson? I'm just looking to work till the end of March. I hope to get back in the summer. Oh, I'm sure we'll do something in the summer, Carson. Well, I hope so. If anyone, by the way, from outside West Yorkshire wants us to come and visit your place, then you know, get in touch. And uh, send, send pies. Gav, come on! They've recruited most of the cast team now, but the cast have got a new coach now, so they have. But it's rebuilding. the quality of the recruitment that's that's you know. Well, it's, it's going to be difficult because obviously uh, Salford played their first game of the weekend against Swinton. So that's Excellent. another couple of teams who, you know, there's, there's more women's teams being set up all the time. So the it's going to be interesting where all the talent comes from uh, to fill all these these spots. Well, and, we, and Wales and Ireland played their first women's yeah. international. Yeah. Now they're, they're talking for the French World Cup of having 16 teams in each competition. Well, at the moment there are probably 14 women's teams registered, two of which have maybe played one test yeah. match. Again, that you know, it's an area that we need to. So Africa, if we're going to talk about another region that has real potential, both for men and women. I, I have to applaud Salford for the link that they've got with Ghana, sending not just kit out there, but expertise and, and inviting some of the Ghanaians back over to Salford. All of those kind of links are, are exactly the kind of thing that will move the game forward and, and, and are exciting. I don't know if we have any uh, Salford fans watching us anymore, because I know they got upset when we tipped them not to win something once, and uh, like their, their kit this year is awful. And it is the worst of the lot, because the sponsor doesn't, it doesn't fit properly. Very, very hard to predict how individual players are going to go before you've seen how they integrate in a team but one of the guys I am really looking forward to seeing this year is Brodie Croft I think um, you look at the systems he's been through um, if he, he he actually could be equivalent to what Jackson Hastings did for, for Salford um, and, I, and I hope he does I think it's cross because their fans need to move on from Jackson Hastings. My, my only my only worry, and uh, no, it's not my worry, it's 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 their worry is is where they're going to be playing after this year, and uh, wow. you know the, the the thought that they gave up the Willows to move to the AJ Bell because facilities determined that that's what they needed to do, and they may end up back at Moor Lane, which is nearer the Willows than the AJ Bell. That 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 would be sad. Steve, so there's any news on Wakefield and Casimir's new ground? Well, not Casimir's, but Wakefield. It's, got, it's going, it's happening, probably. Done another statement April, today. did they say? So, you know, I don't know who the second state will be by then, but uh, it's all exciting. It's not been called in for um, jurisdiction by the Secretary of State, which oh, means yeah. it, it moves further down the road if you can start work. Gav says, they'll be back for our pitch next. I mean, they wouldn't want the stands. So, oh, I've got in trouble for... Treating something like that, Gav. Well, you know, from York watching, I'll get banned. Well, I did email, I didn't reply to an email I sent last week, so I don't know. Uh, 
We don't have toilets, we have bravery pits at the jungle, says Gav. Oh, let's, let's, let's really, actually, the... with, as, as oh. Gav is, is, is on, um, the big question is, what is he expecting the style of his team Lee to Radford. play? Hashtag new Cass era in the Lee um, Radford. You know, is there a concern among Cass fans that it goes from being the classic Cass under Daryl Powell or classic Cass Mark II because he's from the area, understands exactly what the DNA of it is, how you need to approach playing the game. And Lee Radford, who seems to have recruited big players across the backs and the forwards. Hashtag conservative Cass. But With is, a small C. But is it... Um, well, probably a big C as well. You know, do the cast fans want entertainment or success or a combination of both? Can you have both? I'd rather have success than the other one. I'd, I'd, I'd rather win Super League winning 1-0 every week. I mean, that, hey, that'd be great. Can you imagine the fun? But, uh, but no, it'd be great. Uh, Carlson says, great efficient by Caitlin Beavers in the Challenge Cup. No mistake and always on the point. She referees games are very not further in women's super. I think I think the other thing about that is that is a great story, and you don't want to put pressure on a referee by making a big deal about who's refereeing. But had the media perhaps known that she was going to referee that game a little earlier, some of the previews and profiles and those stories around the edge that, that elevate your sport. You know, in what other sport would a current women's yes. international? be refereeing a Challenge Cup game. That is a really, really good story. And, and again, I know it's all to do with appointments and not putting additional pressure on her, And but we need to tell stories like that. We, we've missed the bottom that before, haven't we, to refereeing at Wembley? Yeah, we, so. we need to. And, and if she was great, then, uh, and the cameras were on her, I don't think she would worry about people knowing in advance that she was going to officiate. This programme is not anti-Castleford. Um, Dennis has been on. I always thought the jungle was the British Porter Cabin Museum. I mean, Dennis, I'm from Wakefield. Have you seen Bellevue? What's it called now? The B-Well Stadium, I think it's called now. Is that a new name? Right. B-Well. I've certainly been well over the lockdown. I've done too much weight, but uh, now we're all excited. Gav is back. Honestly, I'm cautious. Cautious, Cass. I've always seen Radford as a bully team style of coach. Maybe unfair, but I always remember how Watts improved his game from Thug when he moved from Radford to Powell. Oh, that's a bit harsh on Neil Watts, isn't it? International player, is he an international? He has to. Well, he's been in squads. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure he's played for him. Paul Machine, captain. Here's Makes the great, sense. I mean, our friends at the Hypothetic Rugby League podcast, here's the one for you. What if that deal hadn't have happened? What if Scott Morris stayed at Cass and Paul Shin stayed at Wayford? What would have happened? We still have eaten Bradford. Well, I don't know. I don't know what would happen to Paul Shin or Scott Moore. Well, no, no, we don't know what happened. So yeah, if, uh, I, I am uh, invoking common law. Uh, I don't know if you saw this song. I'm I saw your yeah. tweet. So because no one can do it, no one can do it now because you can go. Like, I've seen these people go to the vaccination centres and say, "No, I'm closing you down." So, I mean, invoking common law and the Magna Carta and getting 1968 overturned and, while we're at it, Neil Summers trying. Taking it all back. So if there's any results you want changing from the history of rugby league, let us know. We can't change it, but, you know, we're more than happy to uh, send a load of emails to Ralph and say, can you... Turn, turn up at... Where, where are the rugby league these days? With a, with a sheet of paper going, we are entitled. I was there protesting outside Red Hall. 
for our points back. Um, Red Hall now a hair transplant. Yeah, yeah. fine, and everyone's done the what you'd expect. She's, which is great. Um, nothing like predictability. Um, so we're getting a, a, a third, um, a third group running rugby league. Is it going to be like rugby league enterprise? And it's on jumpers. Yeah. yeah, but I think that was always part of the plan. Um, I'm not the sure. The marketing arm of yeah, with all the properties of the game in one place. So you are a potential sponsor or commercial partner, and you walk in and go, "What can I have?" It's not, "Oh, we'll go and see him over there if you want that, and her over there if you want that." It's like, "What do you want?" Here are our portfolio of products. You can have some or all of them, but just deal with us. So yeah, that makes sense. That was always part of the deal. I think it's it's just as a company how it's structured as to who owns how much of. Of which, but uh, that's that's not really a surprise. Now, one thing that they are going to have to approach, one assumes, because if there's anything we know about Barry Hearn, he's quite smart. He's got an OBE. Is that the same as Kevin Sinfield? What did he get? He got one that. Um, Sir Kevin Sinfield, sorry. And you may have noticed or not, because you get told off talking about doubts, that they're moving their sponsorship profile from bookmakers mm-hmm. to not bookmakers the same people that sponsor the World Cup because they're off of the World Cup and Everton and all the other things they sponsor so that is obviously something that we are going to have to mm-hmm. if if the, Barry Hearn seems to be going that way then someone must know something about the way the wind's going to go and I think we've all worked this out for a while now I mean we're looking in a sense that all our eggs are in one basket so it's not as if we have to annoy a load of people but that is something we're going to have to worry Absolutely. about in the future. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Then I've been to any friendlies. I mean, I'm off to Fev. I went to yours. Off to Fev on Sunday. I'm looking forward to that. You know, last time I think I was at Fev watching Wakefield's men was as referenced on social media was the day Michael Corkinus made his debut and uh, got sent off for punching someone and a legend was born, not yet in the Hall of Fame. Proud favourite. Yes. So um, I'm looking to go into Fev, and obviously Fev, yes, they played Leeds in a game which saw Benson Rovers players audition to play for Leeds uh, Reserves in 2022, so that's exciting. Um, Bradford beat Hull, so obviously Bradford are going to win. Bradford are back, that's been the editorial on the paper. Very, very young Hull team. Uh, Barrow beat Newcastle, I'm just looking for the paper now. Castleford beat York, that's good for Cass. Uh, Witness beat Batley. Um, no one's really bothered about the results either because they don't matter. Please don't be bothered about. Do uh, not. Oh, oh, well, sorry, I, I say that, but working to be in white heaven does matter. matter yeah, yeah, but again, um, and it's great that they're playing for a trophy in the name of a legend in Ike yeah. Southern. But I'd rather they played for that trophy in, in the league season. Uh, yes, I think um, which which may or may not be um, agreed with by our guest as and when you get to hear him that you play the uh, the important games too often and, and it takes the value out of them Kobe Poaching uh, when, when he eventually makes his debut for the first time will become the first uh, son of a coach to play for AFC to Lionel Harvey has he got a heritage number uh, well, I, think he, I think he played one game so yes he will but I don't, I don't think his dad picked him I think he was picked before then. Uh, you know it's, it's awful to think that that 2001 season was so long ago because I remember a lot of it as if it was yesterday. Oh, it's all for beat Swinton. And the, the women beat Swinton as well. So it's all all positivity in Swinton. Um, I'm trying to think what else is in... Oh, Sheffield Eagles. They're going to be moving back home soon. So Excellent. that's good. That is um, good. That is good. The, uh, the OLP stadium is 
I think going to be opened again in April. Uh, I think they're playing London Broncos, is it, at home that they're earmarked that game for. Um, and it, it's going to hold about 4,000. So, again, a boutique kind of stadium that, that is an asset to the sport. And, and hats off to uh, former general manager now, Liam Claffey, who's been involved in a lot of the work to get them back to where they are and uh, is moving on. Um, good man. Hope he... Uh, Hope he's still involved in the sport. We are. We're, we're too positive today. Everything's very. I mean, apart from you know, people not being able to get us rounds, but apart from that, it's all. Because welcome we've to got the forward to the telly. Everyone's everyone's on zero right now. A couple of weeks time, you might be. And I think there are some really interesting questions about how teams are going to perform I mean you know how are Hull going to go who, who finished the season so poorly last year that they, they have to start up and running well, you know the same with Wigan who changed their coach because even though they made the playoffs there was this question mark about their their, their inability to score last year what are they going to look like with Sean Wayne back there I think all of these questions are really intri- you know what's the Leeds halfback pairing going to be like um, they played together before, but it, it's critical with the even with the start that I think Leeds have got um, three of the top four in their first four games. So you know there's going to be no leeway. You're going to a lot of teams are going to have to hit the ground running, um, well, and that's great for for those of us that just love meaning in matches. Because every me, minute's going to matter. Every minute will matter. I, I didn't know the features. So I, I, Genuinely, just I'll, I'll wait and see what's in the paper the week before and say, Oh, these teams are playing these things. Wakefield's first three games, apparently, a whole Catalan and St. Helens. Hull first, now I can't remember the order of the other team. So, if Wakefield go to Hull and win, or I don't even know where it is, if Wakefield beat Hull, then the pressure's already on Brett Hodgson. There you go, in your goldfish bowl in the Hull. So, it's all really interesting to see Hull KR this year because. Um, other clubs will be now wary of what Rovers can bring. That that um, almost surprise element is gone. Uh, and can they still play exactly the same way that they did last year that was so successful and refreshing? Or are teams going to find ways to say, look, you know, Jordan Abdul isn't going to get the kind of space that we, we gave him last year. We're not going to let the ball go out to the Kenny Dowell, Ryan Hall side and... Uh, you know, Kane Lynette does need wrapping up. A, you know, he's, he's on the tip sheet, and he might have been. But now we need to do <laughs> X, Y, get two men on him, or whatever it might be. I think um, the start of the season for each division. You know, who are going to be the front runners in the championship? There's, there's pressure on Featherstone and Lee, but Halifax have recruited more than anybody else. Bradford can can they afford to be off the pace early on in the season? You can't uh, afford to be off the pitch because you've got all that shale on you. Whatever it is. Yeah, London, what are they going to be like at Wimbledon? Um, admittedly, a, a gone from full time to part time, but, but a new coach who's going to, you know, with a lot of young kids that are going to want to play for him, it, it, it's intriguing. Uh, Batley, who upset everybody last year, and Whitehaven as well, who had a, had a really good season. I'd, I, and you look at League One, um, you know, Swinton, Rochdale, Keithley. Cornwall. Got some we players now. Well, they've got three. Three. Maybe. Midlands appears to have got loads of players, so that's good. So that's positive. Well, the Midlands playing in Birmingham is going to be interesting yeah. as well. Officially the best kit in Birmingham, I believe, this year, of course. Uh, on an official official 2020 TV poll done by me. So Asking official. yourself. Yeah, 
What do you think? This. Oh, that's how we report news these days. Um, Cap says, if you're fed up with positive, there's the usual notorious attention-seeking voices making noise on social media. I think I've blocked them all, Gav. I think I've blocked them all. It, it, it makes life much easier. Oh, but my block list is full of people I don't like and people off the telly who just annoy me, so... Speaking of telly, we mentioned the sports, we mentioned Premier, and we don't know who's going to be part of the Premier broadcasting Not team. Not yet. We're trying we to find out on a daily basis, but nobody's telling. And that's soon. And, and Channel 4 as well, we don't know who's going to be fronting their coverage, commentating on their coverage, hanging around at the sign of their coverage. They've promised it's going to be look and feel different. Well, It's just got to be good. <laughs> you, don't need to, you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Because you don't, but I think you do need a fresh oh, approach, and um, you do well. need different opinions. I mean, I, we'd all have a, a list of people that we would like to be involved in the coverage. But I, you know, if Adam Hills is the the, the fronting it, great. You know, there's been talk that maybe Helen Skelton might be she's involved good. because she's a consummate television yeah. professional, understands the game and the people that play it. Uh, you know, if James Simpson, for example, is is part of the coverage and brings a different perspective. He's still got his moustache. He's still got that. Oh, yes. We, uh, we need Tony Romo, because watching the NFL, and he's, uh, he's, he's amazing how he predicts what's going to happen next. And I know he's obviously got more time in an American football match to tell you what's going to happen next. But the way he analyses plays and breaks them down is Well, superb. Peter Sterling is fantastic kind of, that on, uh, on Channel 9. I think you need to... He's free. There you go, get him over. Because he's retired. From broadcasting over there, bring Cut. him out. Cut. You need that. You need to have coverage which is welcoming to everyone, but not dumbed down. Yeah. But you also need it where you can show people what has happened and why things have happened, because that's what. That's it's what a gift to be able to explain that, and Sterling was one of the best. And they had great hair as well. It, it, and then no, 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 and then no, no, no hair. No, no, no. Oh. Uh, Gav's talking about an owner of a championship club. I wonder who that would be. <laughs> it's not about administrators, it, though, is it? He's not blocked on the list. It's not about administrators. No. That's what we were told. Was that? Uh, yeah. Uh, fans pay their money, and we've all got opinions. Some of them are right, some of them are yours. But what, what can we do? I don't know. It, it's it, it's going to be a fascinating year in the championship. I also that think that there's a lot of championship players who are playing for World Cup spots. So for nations like Jamaica, Greece, um, even you know Samoa, um, who, who look on paper as if they really you know, could be up there. Um, so I think there's added incentive for a lot of players this year, which is going to make the competition they play in even better to watch. Um, so I, yeah. I, why wouldn't you be excited? We, we may have reservations about some things within the game, but the one thing we know is that players will always give us something to talk about. World Cup watch. We need to know who, who to watch every week. To say, here is player X and player Y who's going to be scoring all those tries with the, the sully ball at uh, all those venues. What if any MPs on Wigan won't know that there's no games in the 2025 World Cup going to be uh, held there? Well, they did last time. I don't know. Um, is there anything else we need to talk about? I think, I think we just wanted to be back, didn't yeah. we? And um, whilst 
think, yeah. positivity is not normally our game. There, there is a lot to be. Give it a week. Genuinely excited about. <laughs> Wait for at least a Fairfax. <laughs> My nephew's never been to Featherstone before, so he's looking forward to it. I mean, I don't, I don't know why. Well, but, uh, he'll be, he'll be envious once he gets there. Well, yeah. He'll go back and say, "Why can't we have a facility like this?" Now he realised because <laughs> we didn't get it from Scarborough. Now he, uh, I know he's sad when you're going to Scarborough on the main road, but it's not there anymore. It's a Lidl or something. It's very sad. Um, now, now he's learned that he's got a spurious relationship with a professional rugby league player. He's, he's very excited. No, actually, he's very good. Yeah, he's not as, not, as, not as interested as having a spurious relationship with someone who's in the rugby league media because that's you know, boring. But I mean, obviously, what I would say because I am biased yeah. is get the latest Sportswear magazine, which has predictions of where teams will finish in the Super League and an analysis of all the teams in the Championship. And next time we're on, tell us where we're wrong. Yeah. Tell us which Featherstone players will be playing for Leeds reserves. The reserve. The reserve or even first team. Yeah, the reserve comp's going to be a... I don't I, want to be negative. I, don't I, see, I worry that we're asking reserves, academy, dual reg, loan. <laughs> You've got to have a lot of players. And then you add COVID into that as well, that well, something's well, got to give. Um and I hope we're not bringing it back just at the wrong time because there is a place yeah. for a proper reserve grade but if it's going to end up being uh, ringing up Wakefield Wakefield ringing up Batley on a Thursday night going have you got any players that could play in our reserve grade this week? it's not really what we're looking for the return of A another B another A trialist B trialist C trialist D trialist Colin Cairns off so that, that, that's it we're back um, if you listen to the podcast uh, Batley coach Craig Lingard follows shortly. He says lots of interesting things. He's very good. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, then he won't be. Um, and if you're watching on Facebook, you won't because this will be a repeat. But I'll put it up as a separate video. But yeah, it's, it, uh, thank you all for watching. All well, there's 22 people watching now, so and that's woof, record viewers. Whoa! Uh, <laughs> but you are still downloading the podcast. That's the main thing. And you know. Like, share, subscribe, buy the magazine, um, sponsor it. Oh, no, we don't have sponsors. Yeah. Uh, no, we would accept one. Yeah. Biscuits, man. Because I know biscuits today, look, you've noticed. I mean, Christmas has finished. Your house is probably full of biscuits. Send them in. 4020 TV. Leeds. They'll get here. Postman knows who we are. Not that popular. Um, Chris Evans versus Chris Moores. That's the Warrington Leeds game. Leeds Warrington. Or Kerry Katona versus someone from the Kaiser Chiefs. Josh White. Josh White. He's not from the Kaiser Chiefs. No. He's fighting against him, isn't he? Is he? Possibly. Right. Um, I don't get any of them, though. Congratulations, Kevin Sinfield. Congratulations to all the other people who got honours in the last one that I've forgotten about. You can read about Emma Rosewarn in the... There you go. So you've been working for the Arsenal for 20 years or something? 40. 40. Deserves a medal. Will there be a video with Linus, says Carson? Yes. If the laptop has worked, there will be. We ask some questions. I've got the venue of the Challenge Cup final run this year because I forgot. Um, but yes, there will be a video. And he's good. Yeah, it's good. It's on Radio Leeds, it has to be good. But yeah, Rugby League is back because the Challenge Cup is back. Back. And, and we're back. And 
yeah, I don't have anything else to say. So if you listen to the podcast, enjoy the rest of it. If you're watching on YouTube, we'll be probably back again next week. And then if we'll have a guest, I don't know. Um, I don't know what's going on. But I can talk, talk about my uh, exciting trip to Featherstone. That's what we all want to hear. Yeah. What are the pies like at Featherstone? Coming soon, pies at Grand. We haven't done that. For, that was something we were going to do at Radio Yorkshire, I think. Dribbling food. But never got around to doing it. But... Uh, those are the days when we were funded by a benevolent dictator. Um, there aren't that many. We could give away tins of mushy peas. Yeah. <laughs> Do they still sponsor Rugby League? Every time I, I, I think I'm going to slag off Northern Rail, I think, no, you can't because they're a partner of Rugby League and you might get in trouble. You might get banned from going to the World Cup or something. But uh, it is what it is. Uh, thanks for watching. Uh, it, it's good to have you back. Thanks for interacting. Yeah. It's been, it's been good tonight. Maybe it's because we're down here, it's more relaxed. I don't want to be behind the desk. I don't mind. Well, we, 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 will, we will do. We'll get back to the table of tap. Um, and then if you want to you know, tell Channel 4, we're here. <laughs> right up the road. I, mean, I can take that slightly off. You know, I mean, okay. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, it, it, as, as Harry Graham used to say, enjoy your rugby league. Because uh, we do. <laughs> Let's not do a professional intro because I can't think of one. But Craig, Coach of Batley Bulldogs, thank you for joining us ahead of the uh, 2022 season. Boring question you've probably been asked about a million times already. How's everything looking at the Bulldogs ahead of this uh, brand new year? Yeah, positive. Um, pre-season's gone, I suppose, as well as it, it could do leading up to Christmas. Then we have the uh, the cancellation of the Boxing Day game with you know, the COVID outbreak. But you, you look at the... The silver lining on that is that we've got 16 or 17 players that have now had COVID and they're not tested for the next three months. So, you know, coming into the coming into the, the, the main season, um, you know, we should we should be uh, fairly COVID free for the first first three months, you know. So that's the that's a positive we can take out of it. But pre pre Christmas, we had a good six weeks uh pre-season. Um did have a, a massive amount of turnover of players, so it meant they could come back a little bit later. We finished a little bit later due to the fact that we got to the semi-final last year. So, you know, we're giving a little bit, a little bit longer off in terms of uh, the, the turnaround. So we managed to get six weeks in before that that Boxing Day game, but obviously that were cancelled. And uh, you know, we're back to the last couple of weeks now before the first game against Halifax. So, you know, we're, we're happy with where we are at the minute, but you know, that might change come two or three weeks into the season. You you played witness on uh, Sunday. What what did you uh, get out of that one? It was another good, another good learning curve for us. You know, it's witnessing another team that you expect to be in and around there in the position that we're fighting for, as Bradford probably are as well. You know, so we had a good contest against Bradford the week before. Another really good contest against Witness. I thought Witness looked really good. They were very, very, very tough, very fit, very strong, and they looked dangerous when they when they had the ball around as well. You know, so it was a good reminder for us that you know the teams that are going to be around us are going to be challenging. You've got to be on your, you got to be on your battle every single week, and that's how close the championship. It's a good learning curve for us. I said pre all the games at pre-season. I'm not bothered if we, if we win every game or lose every game because they don't they don't really mean a great deal in terms of league points on the ladder. But it gives you it gives you an idea of where you are with balling and defensive and also fitness wise as well. You know, so it's it's, it's giving us a good good yardstick of where we are. Uh, one more friendly this week against Huddersfield, which will be again another tough friendly for us. But it'll hopefully stand us in good stead come the Halifax game on the thirtieth. In terms of, you mentioned COVID and the effect that it's it's had. Um, have you had any issues with long COVID? Are you having to look after the players a little bit more? Um, 
I don't know, you're more concerned over how you bring them back into the, the environment and, and what they can and can't do? Particularly now, we've got this we've got the seven day return to return to play protocol anyway, so they've got to go through that staged that staged return. Uh, so they can do certain things after day one, day two, day three. Some of the players are, are a bit frustrated because of they'll they'll tell you they've been well either they've had COVID, some of them have had, they've had no symptoms, so they've been training fully well, they've been isolating at home. And then they come back to the club and you and you you basically regress them back to uh, back to stage one to. Uh, you, 20 minutes worth of really light work on, on, a, on, a, on a static bike and they're frustrated, some of them because they want to go further because you're taking them back. It's, it's common sense and some, some players, if they get a little bit short of breath, then you take them back a stage. Now, we're not, as a, as a club and the medical staff, we wouldn't let any players go uh, above and beyond what they can do physically. Um, and some players have had no symptoms at all. Some players have taken a little bit longer than us to, to get back to full training. Um, so it's a little bit common sense and... You know, we're, we're guided by the player and also the medical staff. That, uh, you know, they'll, they'll let us know where each player is in, in, in regards to when, when they can train fully and when they can't train. And, and what are your plans with loans and dual reg this year? Because, again, there's been quite a lot of talk that if COVID is going to be an issue, if games are going to be awarded 48-0, that there might be a little need to stockpile greater squads, perhaps at Super League level. I think that's going to have an effect on championship clubs. Um, I don't think it'll have an impact on us particularly. Uh, dual reg, we won't we won't do a dual reg. We you know we're we're badly. We just seem to be a unattractive club for Super League clubs to dual register. We you know we've we've been uh, we've been we've been a solvent club for over twenty five years and we pay pay everybody uh, on time and pay what pay what they're owed and it's a good family club. Uh, we look after the players, we look after the sporters, but that's not enough for us to get a, an attractive dual reg uh, partnership with anybody. But we'll keep trying. Um, in respect of loans, uh, we'll we'll give our, our players who've done pre-season uh, the first shot at it. If we need to strengthen, if we need to look at the market outside of that, then we'll do that. But I think uh, most of the league clubs will be looking at the reserve competition first and seeing what sort of standard that is. If the standard dips in that, I would imagine that some league clubs will want their players going out and playing top-end championship or at least at least championship-level rugby. Um, but I, I think we'll, we need to look at what the standard of the reserve comp is going to be first before we see any... Uh, if any players come do come down, uh, come become available for loan. I think if the comp competition in reserve is is good and it's competitive, then they might want to keep the players there. But outside of that, if it if it's a lot of a lot of academy players that are filling the reserve teams, they might want their players going out and playing championship or league one rugby to get some first team experience. The other thing I, I suspect, um, and you've very kindly written about this in in our latest magazine is the championship this year, again, looks like the most competitive of the three divisions. And that when you were going through looking at the uh, respective challenges, probably, what would you say, six, seven, maybe even eight of the teams in the division got a realistic chance to think that yeah, they may just be up there come playoff time and pushing for promotion? Definitely, yeah. And, and, and I don't think you can discount anybody. You, know, you look, at, look at last season, I suppose we were a surprise package being up there where we were. You look at Whitehaven, I think, uh, if you look at the tail season previous, I think Whitehaven lost all their games. Um, you know, so I suppose they were they were the uh, pundits' favourites to maybe go down, but they they shocked everybody. You know, they, they recruited really well, they really smartly uh, brought some brought some flair in on the on the edges. And I think Louis Gilfray helped them as well. You know, so you got what you always got from Whitehaven, which were a really tough dogged dogged pack in the middle unit, but they also had some spark and some some excitement on the edges as well. So. It, I think if anybody gets on a bit of a roll, you saw that with us last year, we've got a little bit of confidence, we've got on a roll, we 
rode the crest of the wave a little bit and it's once you get onto that and that habit of winning it's hard to get out of a little bit like losing if you start to start picking up three or four losses on, on the bounce it's difficult to get out of and you sometimes lose them close games that you would ordinarily win and vice versa if you if you're on a bit of good form you'll win them close games that you might, that might ordinarily lose so i don't think you can discount anybody this year i think the majority of teams uh in the championship have all, on paper they've all they've all strengthened you know you look at the, the quality of the players that have, have joined the championship this year some that have dropped down from super league level and it's it's you know it's, it's mouthwatering some of the clashes that you that you can uh, you can see coming up this year and you, you i suppose that the top two on paper are going to be featherston and lee you know so the, the players that they've signed as well the they're pretty much super league squads by all the status being in the championship so it's a really exciting exciting division exciting competition this year it's not just the players who are coming into the competition. You, you get to pick your wits against Brian McDermott at Featherstone, who's won upteen grand finals with Leeds, and, and Adrian Lamb at Lee, who was in the grand final just two years ago. It's, a, it's an amazing turnaround in terms of the coaching facility, uh, coaching uh, it, uh, appointment. It is. It is, yeah. And I think that's the, the attraction now of the championship. It shows that his life outside the Super League. And I think anybody who watched the, the playoff games, the, you know, the really tough, close, uh, close playoff games, um, very, very competitive. And he and, yeah, these life away from Super League. The Super League isn't the be all and end all, and it's a different game. It's a different competition. We're not expected to compete with uh, the Super League teams. It's not the same product. It is a different. It is a different product, but just because it's different doesn't mean say it's worse. And I think it's uh, the same with League One as well. League One's a different competition to what Championship and Super League is. You know, so you've got you've got a, a different brand of game all the way all the way down the structures, and there's there's some really attractive games in every single division that you play this year. Um, I suppose the the challenge to the to the guys coming down from Super League is can they adapt to playing at places like a, a Workington and a Whitehaven and a Batley and a Jewsbury and they've not got the, the the grounds that you're playing at your St Helens, your Wiggins and places like that week in week out, you know. So it's that, that's going to be the challenge for them guys to adapt to um, because it is a different competition. It's, it's a championship. It, it takes a different sort of person to uh, to adapt and, and, and compete at the championship level week in week out. You mentioned the club's been solvent for 25 years. It's obviously well run. How does that uh, impact on you as a, as a coach? You, you must make life uh, a lot easier that you're not having to worry about your players coming to you uh, wanting that they're not getting paid on time. Yeah, it's, you, you know, Kevin Nichols, who's been the chairman now uh, since 1998, I think it is. He's, he's looked, looked after the club. He's put the club in a, a really good financial position. You know, we're not a rich club, but we don't owe anybody any money. The ground's our own. Um, you know, so any, any money that comes through the gates, any functions that we have at the club, it's it's money that goes back to the club and not not go back to the council or the landlord of the ground. You know, so we're we're in a really good position uh, that we don't owe any money. Uh, we're not, so we're not we're not a rich club by any means. And I suppose as a coach, it's frustrating at times that you, you look at the the budget that we've got to spend, the playing budget that we've got to spend, and it's probably down in, in the in, in the bottom quarter of the division, um, which can be frustrating at times when there's certain players that you might want to go out there and get, uh, but you haven't got the money to spend it, so you're not going to put the club into any, any financial danger. So we know that every player and every member of staff is going to get paid on time and get what they're, get what they're owed every single, every single month of the year. And that's, I think that's better uh, to pay people what you can rather than promise people and not, not be able to pay them at the end of the month. Um, and I think with that as well, people who sign for Batley know what our... What our pay structure is, you know, so anybody who's coming to Batley, they know what the pay structure is, they know what sort of club it is. So it's got to be the right individual that comes to a club like Batley. They've got to, they've got to be hard working, they've got to be honest, they've got to be humble, and they've got to buy into the family feel of the club because 
everybody's involvement at a club like Batley Matters, whether it's the, the programme seller, whether it's a car park attendant, the person who's making the tees, uh, the kit man, the director, the players, the coaches, everybody's input matters. And, and that's what that's why a club like Batley is really successful and, and people like coming to Batley. You touched on something as well about there's more players now dropping down to a part-time level um, and that might be a bigger issue for the game as a whole. Should, should we be concerned about that? It's fantastic that we're going to see some uh, you know, players like Nene McDonald and Joey Leilu are playing in the Championship, but there are quite a few Super League players who've decided to play part-time these days. Yeah, I think it's. I think the, the game's maybe a little bit of a crossroads and it maybe needs to decide where it's going to go. Uh, you're seeing a lot of players that are mid, mid to late 20s now that, that are dropping out of, out of the Super League game because they're not making the money that's that's going to make them financially secure to retire when, once they finish playing. You know, we're not, we're not playing Premier League or Championship football where people are earning thousands and thousands of pounds a week. So when they get to 32, 33 year old and they're, and they're dropping out of the full-time full time game, they've, they've got another career. They've got, they've, they've got to find another way to make money. And I think some people now are making the real, getting the realisation that at 32, 33 year old, if you've not made enough money to, to retire, you've then got to start working. And it might be in a job that you're earning £18,000 or £20,000 a year, which it's not great. But if you can if you can join a job, get a job now that's earning, that you're earning 20 grand a year, 22 grand a year, as well as earning, a lot, earning some decent money playing part-time rugby, you can earn more money than playing full-time rugby. You know, so that benefits a part-time, part-time game, the Championship and League One. But for the strength and depth of the game and the future of the professional game in, in England, I think it's pretty worrying. Um, hopefully the, the TV deal now where we're getting some free-to-air games on Channel 4, it might increase the, the attendances in terms of the, the, the viewing figures and maybe increase a little bit, increase a little bit of uh, interest in the game, which might then give us a little bit more TV money for uh, for the next next Sky deal or whatever comes in, whether it's, whether it's going to be a, a streaming company or the BBC or Channel 4 or Channel 5, whatever it might be. You know, so we, we need to get that get the game out there, which is it's happening this year. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of games uh, being going to be streamed this year, whether it's Championship, Super League or League One. I think that's going to be really important for us to secure a, a real good financial package next time around. One of the uh, people who will be showing games is um, Premier Sports. You'll you'll be on Monday nights, your competition and your good selves will be seen as well. Uh, good thing for the Championship. Yeah, I think it is. As, as I said before, I think the championship's a really good product. And the more people see it, the more people it, 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 it can hopefully attract. And you know, even even Super League Super League clubs, if they're not playing, can we get their supporters to come and watch us on a, on a Monday night? Um, you know, that's what that's what we want to do. and try and get as many people there as we can. Um, and I know people say it's, it's not it's not a cracking night in Monday night because people have got to work on a Monday and then go and play rugby, then work on a on a Tuesday morning, but. I don't care. You know, I'll, I'll play at midnight on Tuesday night if I have to. If, if it gets if it gets a game out there so people can watch it, we'll make, we'll make them sacrifice so people can can uh, can watch games because uh, that's what it needs. We need we need people watching the championship. We need people watching as much rugby league as we possibly can. Obviously, the championship is is the bread and butter, but we've seen four teams now over the past few years get to Wembley in the eighteen ninety five Cup. How important would that be to the club to have a run to Wembley? Uh, it's been a while since Batley have been there. Yeah, well, we'd not be there this year, would we? Because it's a Tottenham, so we won't be there this year if, if we got there. <laughs> <laughs> We're all about that. <laughs> well, you can't going to Tottenham, yeah. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll go to Wendell. Maybe somebody else is playing at Tottenham. Uh, <laughs> and make a day of it. Uh, but no, I, I, I really like the 1895 Cup. I like the idea of it because it, it gives the teams outside of Super League. Because realistically, outside Super League now is going to is going to get to a Challenge Cup final. You know, 
with it, with the exception of uh, of Leo full time now and, and, and Featherstone, who have got the, the players that they've got, you wouldn't really expect anybody else to 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 make a serious challenge to get to uh, to a, a Challenge Cup final. So I think anything that gives the players and the coaches and the fans the the, the opportunity to get to a big occasion, I, you know, where we're going to grasp that with both hands, you know, it's something that we're, we're certainly going to go out and try try to aim for. We're not going to use it as a as an extended pre-season friendly like some clubs might do. Um, we're going to use it as a competition that's that, that's there to win, you know. So hopefully we can we can you know we can do ourselves justice in that. And if we do, then who knows? We might we get to a final. And, and the summer bashes back this year, not, not in Blackpool as it's been before, but but at Headingley, so a bit, bit less uh, travel for, for for Batley. But how much are you looking forward to that being back on the calendar? Yeah, I think it's again. I think it's a good. I think it's a good, uh, a good day or a good weekend there to 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 promote the the, the championship rugby. You know, it's, it's, it get all the games on, on on TV on a on a weekend, and it's uh, it's something else there for fans to see that's different to watching Super League week week in week out. And yeah, it's not a Blackpool, but it's another. It's, it's a it's a field. It's a rugby field, isn't it? It's a game of rugby that we've got to win. That's you know first and foremost. That's what we're we're concentrating on is trying to get two league points and. Uh, you know, if we can get a lot of people there in the ground and let them have a good day and you know the rugby league can promote it and, and get a lot of people there, then the atmosphere gets better and, and players want to play in front of big crowds. You know, so hopefully we can get a lot of people in there and, and the players can experience playing in front of a few a few thousand people more than what they would do normally. And just going back a little to the, the value of the 1895 Cup, I mean one of the great successes for for the Bulldogs in recent times was winning the Northern Rail. Um how much did that mean to the club? How much did it trade on the back of that what sort of civic pride was there for the town as a whole and and how important was it to to get you to where you are today as a stable championship side i think um in respect to getting us where we are financially i don't i don't think the club maybe gained a lot out of it financially um but it's 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 the day out and it's a success that clubs like like that they don't normally get um and that's what the 1895 cup Will bring to clubs like us that you've got the you've got the opportunity to have your day in the sun and and the you know the people like like Kevin Nicholas who's, who's been involved in the club for years and years and years uh, who, are, who are supporting the club from being a kid so it's not just some it's not just something he's done since 1998 it's, it's been his life you know so the the reward that people the personal reward, reward and gratification for for somebody like Kevin that's put a lot of time and a lot of money and a lot of effort into the club it's. It's just this reward for people like that and the supporters that have followed home and away through thick and thin. And, you know, particularly with Batley, we've not, over recent years, apart from the uh, the Northern Rail Cup and the Transpennine Cup in 1998, you know, the days in the sun are few and far between. So it's, you know, for a club like us, for a small club like us, it's it's massive to have these sort of days. And that's why we'll, we'll be doing everything we can in the 1895 Cup to try and get to that final because, you know, for the supporters and the people that, that, that put a lot of time and effort into the club, it's invaluable to keep them involved and keep them interested and just reward them, really. I guess one of the other things is a phrase that's been banded a lot by the RFL moving forward is return on investment, which isn't just about how you perform on the field. Um, Batley are a classic example of that. Your, your role in the community is, is massive, and, and I know that you do a lot of stuff behind the scenes as well as coaching the first team. Um, Batley means a hell of a lot as a club to the people of that town. It does, yeah. There's, you know, I think if you go back maybe five or six years, and I think the club maybe realised a little bit that we've got a facility up there that's, you know, for, for all intents and purposes, 90, 95% of the week it's not used. 
So we wanted to try and get it out there to the community and use it. And there's, there's, there's lots of different groups that come up come up there now. You know, we have uh, you know special education these kids that, that come up and, and they do the cooking up there, and you've got um, coffee mornings and memories memories clubs and other community group, groups that use the gym and all, all sorts of stuff that are going up at the club now. So there's always something going on at the club. And as you say, it plays a vital part in the, in the local community and integrating different people from different cultures and different faiths and trying to work together and all the stuff that's really, you know, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a focus in society at this moment in time. It's all going on at the club. Uh, and we, I suppose I suppose as a club and for the, uh, the return on investment, we're not necessarily rewarded for that because a lot of your return on investment is how many Twitter followers that you get and how many Facebook followers you've got and how many things on social media go on. You know, so it's not necessarily something that I suppose as a club we're particularly great at because again we we're relying on, on, on volunteers and, and, and club directors that do all that sort of stuff. We we don't employ a media person because we we've not got the money to do that. So, you know, I suppose we're a little bit behind the times in respect of how we promote the club and we, yeah, we could do it a little bit better. I guess everybody can do that a little bit better. And yeah, it's something that we because we we really could look at other clubs, you know, like, like York. York have done really well in the last few years and promoting the, promoting the club and promoting the games and promoting the you know, the club to the people of the, of the city of York. And you know, that's something that they've done exceptional over the last few years. But as I said, where we are at the, the minute financially and as a club, we, we don't employ a, a full time or part time media manager or done part time with other people around the full time jobs, you know. So, um, yeah, return on investment on that, on that side of things we maybe improved, but we're doing what we can with the local community and the amount of people that come into the into the club now during the week that haven't got an involvement in rugby league or there's no uh, in the, the actual activity that's going on up there during the day is nothing to do with rugby league. It's quite large now, so that's something that the club can be proud of. Well, we talked about you know dual registration in terms of players and, and learning places. Is that something else where perhaps Super League could help in terms of? Infrastructure off the field. I, I don't. Know, I don't want to put more work on Super League club media people. You know, they get everything thrown on them. That has nothing to do with their job. But is that something where perhaps the sport could do a little bit more for clubs like yourselves who don't have the money there to to spend on people to do uh, exciting graphics on social media or whatever? No, I don't. I don't think so. No, I think I think it's each, each club's individual responsibility to do that themselves. You know, we, we don't we don't want to rely on handouts and, and, and as a club, it's what we need to do better. You know, so we don't want to be relying on on Leeds Rhinos media giving us giving us some free work. It's something that we've got to do. We've got to develop as a club, and and we're we're trying to we're trying to get bigger, we're trying to get better, trying to trying to raise more money. Um, and again, looking at different things that are going on at, at, at the ground is uh, we've, we've got we've got permission from the council this year to to hold, hold some concerts up there. There's a beer festival that's going to be going on there. So we're looking at as a club at, at different ways to get different people. To the club that aren't involved in rugby league, because you know, I don't believe there's a great deal of money in rugby league now. So we need to attract finance from from other areas. And, and what we've got up there, like I said, we've, we've got our own ground up there. We're, we're not reliant on the council. We're not reliant on landlords giving us permission to do stuff at the ground. It's up to us to do that. And as a club, that's what we're trying to do this year. We're trying to expand the things that we do. Um, and hopefully, if we can do that, then the financial situation might get better. And it might mean that we can employ more people at the club to do stuff day-to-day, which then means it can promote the club better on social media. So I'm, I'm certainly not an advocate of, of getting handouts from other clubs. I think we need to take that responsibility ourselves and look after ourselves as a business. I guess the million-dollar question for a club like Batley is that if you did win the million-pound game, the question would no doubt be raised, would you want to be in Super League? I would imagine your players, you as a coaching staff, that's your ambition. That, that's why you do it. Um, 
would it would it be the kind of death knell that some clubs in the Premier League in football have suffered that they've sort of touched the sun and then it's it's burned them really badly? Do you still want to be a Super League club or do you need to consolidate what you are and and and, and the place you've got in your community? It's a little bit of both. We need to consolidate. You know, first and foremost, what we need to do this season is try and maintain that top six position as a minimum. Uh, I think every time, and I've mentioned this previously, every time that Batley have had a good season over the last 10 years, the best players have been cherry-picked and it's, it's, it's effectively starting again. You know, we've not we've not done that this year. We've managed to retain everybody we want to retain with the exception of one player. You know, so we're in a good position in respect of our playing squad. So there's no excuse why we can maintain what we did last year. I know everybody else has improved, uh, but, but so have we. I think we've improved on paper, so there's no reason why we can't do it again. Um, but again, you go back to it financially, what we've paid and what other clubs have paid, where we're probably a long way behind what other clubs have spent financially. But just because you spend money doesn't automatically guarantee your success. Um, so if we can maintain that consistency and and develop that winning that winning mentality in the club, and we can we can maintain being a top six, top four club, and we get to the point where we're challenging for promotion, and we, and we do get up. And of course, we go up. You know, but what we won't do then is we won't, we won't throw a lot of money at people that generally go from relegated club to newly promoted club, because then all you get then is you get the duplicate team that's going to get relegated again the season after. What we do and, and what we said to the players this year, or what, what Kevin said to the players this year, well, if, if we did go up, we'd, we'd probably go with some sort of uh, dual role, hybrid sort of uh, sort of club, where we'd, anybody who wanted to stay at the club and play in Super League on a part-time basis would do that. We'd obviously have to look around for some full-time players, but we certainly wouldn't be spending 1.5 million on people that, have, uh, that are floating around different clubs that go from relegated club to promote a club, and, and, and I see you in the same situation then. And the likelihood is, if we did that the first year, we'd come straight back down again. But we'd be in a better financial position the year after, to, again, to, to have a better squad to compete in, champ in the championship to get promoted again, get, again the year after and maintain some sort of consistency and some stability. And then who knows, within two or three years, we might be able to get that, in that position to, to maintain the Super League side. But, you know, these are all dreams. You know, I'll probably wake up when I'm talking about this in a few minutes' time. But, you know, these, these are all dreams you want to aspire to. Why not? You know, we don't want to be a championship team forever. We don't want to be a league one team. You know, we want to be as high as, as, high as we possibly can. As you said, players want to play at the highest level. I, me as a coach, I want to coach at the highest level. And the club wants to be at the highest level it possibly can be. And if that's if that's playing, then why not? You've got a lot of um, strong community clubs as well, either in or around the town. Is the Bulldogs still a, a pull for, for those players? It's, it's difficult now with, with, with the lack of... Um, Lack of reserve team structure because it's, it's not, there's not many people that you can get that come from the amateur game or that want to come from the, from the amateur game because people play the amateur, the amateur game now because it's, it's, it's what they want to do. You know, there's, there's not that, that consistency or that, uh, that commitment where you're training three times a week and then playing on the weekend because if somebody comes from the amateur game, they're going to do it on a page of play basis. But for them to, for them to be able to play, they're going to have to train three times a week. Um, and there's not always the commitment from the players to do that. And you can understand that. Whereas if it were if there were a reserve team structure, you could they could they could uh, again maybe dual uh, effectively dual reg with an amateur club, so they could continue playing with an amateur club, but also come and play with the reserves at the same time. So you could you could have a look at them in a, in a sort of semi-professional environment and see if they could be could, could be good for the first team. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a massive advocate advocate for for reserve team rugby. If it were for reserve team rugby, I'd, I'd never played. The first team game, 
I, I came through the reserve team structure. And a lot of players did that at that at the time that went on to play in excess of 200 games for the club, you know. So the, the reserve team structure does work, but unfortunately, where we are at the moment as, as a game, we can't, we're not allowed to have a reserve team uh, as we used to have the reserve team. Now, there's that many things you've got to put in place now to develop the players that, again, financially, we're not in that situation where we can spend that sort of money. Um, so players coming from, from the amateur game now, unless they're absolutely outstanding and they're willing to come and do a pre-season for nothing and give it a go, there's very few players that are going to come from the amateur game into the pro game. Uh, for people outside of the heavy woolen districts, because obviously I, mean, I used to I used to I used, I used to work in Batley. I mean, work is a, a strong word for what I used to do. But I, I earned some money working in Batley. How uh, how important is it that obviously Hull and Hull FC, Hull FC and Hull Care, they want to finish above each other. Work is in a wide area. Well, how important is it that you finish above Dewsbury this year? I'm not bothered. I finish above as long as we finish as high as possible. Can if that means we finish above Dewsbury, then, then brilliant. Um, I think the I think the bragging rights in the, in, in the local derby now it's 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 not as I don't know it's not as high as it used to be I don't think I think because they've played each other that many times over, over recent years it's lost that intensity you know I, I go back to when I when I first played when I first first came into came into the first team and Jewsbury were were riding high in the championship and I think they won, they won the division two or three times through that that really good sort of championship team the division one team that Jewsbury had at the time. And I can remember we played him on a Friday night and we won 14-12 and it was the first time that Batley had won Jules been a number of years. And it was, you know, the, the euphoria that we had then as, as, as a group of players were, were fantastic. But you've gone through years where you played each other five, six, seven times and that, that intensity of the, of the derby game, for some reason, it's, it's, it's sort of diminished now. Um, so I don't think there's that intense rivalry that used to be there between the two, the two teams. So I'm not particularly bothered with that. As long as we finish as high as we possibly can, whether we're above Jewsbury or below Jewsbury, I'm not particularly bothered. Um, obviously, it's, it's nice for the fans and it's nice for uh, for the directors finishing above your local rivals. But I think for for rugby league in the local area to thrive, both teams have got to be doing well. You know, so I don't want to see Jewsbury relegated. I'm sure Jewsbury don't want to see us relegated. When you in the grand scheme of things, because about the Jewsbury game, it's it's still a local. I suppose I'm contradicting myself a little bit in this regard, but it's still a good a good game to have in the. In Calendar of a championship game. Um, you know, I, I do think we we watered down a little bit with the amount of times we play each other. You know, we play each other on a box day and there's two league games, and and then we've got the summer bash that, you know, funnily enough, we're going to play Jonesborough. You know, I, I know it probably took a lot of, a lot of thinking about who we were going to play on the on the on the uh, the summer bash, and funnily enough, we've drawn Jonesborough. Uh, so that's four times this year we would have played. Uh, so say the, the fixtures do get watered down a little bit with. In, 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 in respect to the derbies, and I think I think we now need to maybe look at it a little bit less and, and, and try and get the interest back there now. So you, you're not playing each other four times a season, so you, you get the interest back there. And in terms of crowd figure, it's it's pretty much stable, um, and and you know the economics are worked out around that. What what would you like to see it get up to in a, in a realistic sense? I, th I think I think as a as, as a basis for us to to thrive and for us to grow, you know, we we don't we don't want to be reliant on on, on the away team supporters. You know, we don't want to be reliant on on Lee, Lee and Featherston and Bradford and Halifax or whoever else that are coming bringing a lot of supporters to to improve our our games. We we want our our home supporters to get, I suppose, we could get above seven fifty a thousand. You know, our supporter base at this moment in time is quite an elderly supporter base. You know, so we need to 
try and get more people in there. As I said, that's why the club are looking at other things now away from rugby league to try and generate some more income coming into the club. Uh, because if we can't get the get the attendance coming through the gate, we need to generate finances elsewhere. And if we can get people to come to the club in a different guise to the rugby league, but they enjoy what they're, what they're doing when they're coming to the club, that might entice them to come to a game. And if we're going to attract them to come to a game and they enjoy that, then it, it might mean that they stay and they might, might, they might come back more. Uh, I think over the over recent years, with the success that the club's had in 2010, 13, 16, and last year as well, we're doing all we can on the field to try and be successful, but it's not really generated any any great increase in crowds. But again, going back to what I said about teams like York, where they've been really good at promoting the game and getting people in the ground, maybe that's something that we we need to improve and do better. But well, if we've not got the people there that we're employing to get people into the ground and, and focus on that promotion, it's uh, it's something that might not get better. So it's, it's maybe you've got to speculate to accumulate, to spend a bit of money on somebody to try and get the people back into the ground and, and generate that interest and generate them, them attendances get, getting up. But, you know, I suppose it's the it's chicken, chicken and egg scenario. And you, you spend the money on somebody to try and get people into the, into the ground. If they don't come there, it's money wasted. Uh, but you can't just expect people to turn up because I've not done that for the last 20, 25 years. You've got some political support as well. Um, Kim Ledbetter is a big fan of what you're doing in the community. It fits in with, um, obviously, the Joe Cox Foundation. Is that an area that you think you can um, exploit a little more to the, the benefit of the club? Yeah, potentially. Um, you know, we, we did a lot of, lot of work with, as, as, as a club with Joe Cox, obviously, before... Uh, before what happened to Joe, and then went down with Kim, Kim since. Uh, so we've got real good relationships with with, with the family and the, and the Joe Cox Foundation as well. And we do a lot of a lot of work as a club and, and the foundation of the club as well. Do a lot of work with with, with the Joe Cox Foundation in the community. Um, you know, so if we can try and benefit that by by again bringing bringing some whether it's interest, whether it's some uh, uh, some media interest, media support, or whether it's some financial support, if we can. Use that to our advantage, and we will do. Um, but we think so we're certainly not looking for handouts and, and going out with a begging bowl. We need to, as a club, be a little bit better at trying to generate that financial income and, and, and the interest in the club as well. Far too much sense for this program. Uh, we Craig, knew that. Well, that's why I invited him. Uh, Craig, thank you very much for your time uh, this evening. Best of luck with everything uh, going forward in 2022. Hopefully, uh, a not very disruptive season. Uh, obviously, well, it sounds like you won't be disrupted at least for the first three months, and uh, uh, hopefully, uh, more success and building on what you had in uh, 2021. Hopefully, thank you very much. Thanks for having me on.